0: One of the frustrations about our move six months ago was how many photo prints we had accumulated over the last forty years. Our children keep their images of the cloud, but we have our thousands of photos, maybe two or three thousand, in plastic totes that followed us here from our basement to our new digs. We can't possibly be the only ones with this problem, can we?
1: I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan.
0: And in this episode of The Grand Life, we talk to Andrew, who along with his cousin Jeremy run a company called No Story Lost that helps people capture and share their personal stories. But before we talk with him, let's chat a bit about these boxes of pictures, which are part of our story. We don't want to lose the memories, but we wouldn't mind losing the boxes of photos that store them. It's kind of overwhelming.
1: It is, and I'm going to claim that a big piece of it is my fault. You see, I have thought (laughs) of myself as a photographer ever since I was in junior high school snapping pictures for the school newspaper. Yeah. And so every time I've taken pictures of a family situation, it's been like I was on assignment. And so I'd take lots and lots of images of the same thing to get the perfect expression or the perfect background or the perfect lighting which means that we have lots and lots of duplicates to sort through.
0: Yeah, it's not like the new kinds of things where you take pictures on your phone and you just delete them. You have We actually had to pay for all that film to be developed.
1: Yeah, I, you know, Crazy. We, there's this idea of, of uh, sifting that I just didn't do a good job of when I was younger. So, so now we're doing it.
0: Yeah, we've started with the sorting, actually, before we moved.
1: It was your suggestion, and a good one, that we take all the prints from a given era like a decade or a with the kids being a certain age, and then dump all those on the table and then remove the duplicates. That's sort number one. Look at all those extras that I didn't need to shoot or maybe multiple prints that we thought we would share with another family member and then never did. Yeah, Getting the duplicates out.
0: Yeah, and it's funny, but we noticed a trend where the worst offenders were the birthday parties and opening Christmas oh, presents. Oh, Christmas <laughs> presents. And, you know, the other thing where we did get rid of uh, is uh landscapes because and now I I think twice before I take a picture of a landscape with no people in it cuz it's like really do I need to keep that
1: The next step was what I'll call sort number 2 and that was going through and and we're still there by the way yeah. picking the best six or so pictures of every event uh and then getting rid of the rest that don't really tell the story and and that's being a photo editor really in magazine terms and it's hard
0: Yeah it really is so uh, right after that comes the next arduous step which is digitizing and you're taking that on.
1: Right. We I mean we talked about hiring a company to do it but um and we'll talk about the cost of that in a minute but the the idea of putting all your precious memories into a box and shipping them out uh, to a place and to people that you've never seen and never will see it's it's very anxiety producing.
0: So if we're industrious enough we can do it ourselves. So, Mike, why don't you walk us through what's involved once you get the first steps done?
1: Well, if you're going to scan your own prints or negatives, uh, you'll you'll probably be spending between 100 and and $1,000 on one or more scanners. Uh, some do prints but don't do film. Some do film and don't do prints. And the ones that do them both do it slowly. So you could do that. You could also hire out to a scanning service for what works out to be between 13 and $0.45 cents an image. Yeah, that's uh, and there's a lot
0: of money when you have 3000 prints.
1: Yeah. And there's usually a minimum of several hundred dollars just to have them do anything at all for you. Yeah. So once you've got everything turned into an image, then you have to go through and, and, you know, if you're ever going to find these things again, it's a good idea to add tags to every image with the who or the what or the when of what's going on in that image so that it really does become a kind of a database with pictures stuck to it. There are lots of apps that you can run on Macs or PCs that will allow you to do this.
0: Yeah, that tagging is done automatically on your phone pictures.
1: Well, the right? ge, the geotagging part is, but yeah. the phone may not necessarily know who's in the picture. Oh, okay. That's the difference, or that's the thing that I think makes this usable over the long term right. for you and for your descendants. Finally, you have to decide where you're going to store this stuff, and you could keep it on a local drive, You could keep it on a hard drive. You could put it on one or more flash drives. You could put it on a a portable solid state drive. Uh, Chances are you want to put it in more than one place just in case. Yeah. You also can put it in the cloud, like in iCloud or Google Drive. Um, But more than one place is important, I think.
0: Yeah. You know, we're making progress, but I'm still curious what's going to happen to all the photos on our phones in the cloud.
1: Yeah. Well, so they're going to stay there. Um,
0: well, unless the cloud bursts and it'll <laughs> come out of the cloud like a big rainstorm.
1: <laughs> or you stop paying the bill. Yeah. Or they go out of business. Yeah. Or there's some natural uh, disaster at the data center. I mean, it's... I, I suppose anything could happen. So maybe the smart thing is to have it on the cloud and also a duplicate on some kind of local offline hard drive. Yeah. That's probably the safest thing.
0: Probably. If you're the type to wade through all the memories and categorize and tag, then you might not need the services of our next guest. But something tells me that most of us give up on the hard work and start looking at other options for keeping our memories alive. And that's where Andrew Hall comes in. Andrew Hall, welcome to The Grand Life. It's nice to have you on.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm excited.
0: You know, there are several new developments in recording family histories. Some people use their own ingenuity, they scrapbook, they employ a service where they journal for themselves, and then a company keeps all that info and puts it together in a book for them. And in most scenarios, the person telling the story takes on a lot of the responsibility of putting together their heritage stories. I have a good friend who has started the process, then she gets discouraged and she gives up and, you know, it doesn't happen. So it takes a lot of initiative and stick-to-itiveness. I wonder how you are feeling about the service that you provide. First of all, tell us the service you provide and how is that different from those I've just described?
2: For sure. So No Story Lost is a service where someone will purchase a project through us and then we will interview them over the phone, record the interviews, transcribe them, and then turn that into a beautiful coffee table book. So it's really an end-to-end service from kind of welcome call to hardcover book in in your mailbox. So that's what we do. And yeah, it does differ from kind of two ends of a spectrum of Mm -hmm. ways that families can do this. So on the one hand, you've got a do-it-yourself kind of a DIY option that you could really do it completely yourself or some of those more affordable services where they'll give you prompts and you'll email them back and then they'll bind a book for you. Right. Then on the on the other end of the spectrum, you've got uh, a full on memoir service, which has been around for a long time, but that might cost you eight, ten, or twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. So we're trying to find a happy medium in the middle where we really do take it end to end and do a lot for you to help uh, fix the problem that you mentioned, where people might get started but not might not finish, mm-hmm. uh, while still having it be affordable to most families hopefully. So um a couple things that are different rather than someone having to type their stories we capture ours through fun and friendly interviews hopefully. So yeah, we ideally that's a pleasure instead of feeling like work. Yeah. Um and then with our service there's sort of a choice for how much work you want to do because some families will see their designed copy digitally before we print it and they'll say, "Okay, looks great. Change this to a capital letter." change the spelling of this and off we go. Other families will really dive in at that point and add things, change things, cut things and really get their hands on. Um, so totally up to the family there. Um, but it can be a lot of work still. Uh, it is still trying to capture your life story. Yeah, And we hope that at the end of the day, it's worth it because uh, our goal is to make people cry happy tears when they see the book. <laughs> the funny answer to this question though is part of why you pay us is uh, to help you get the job done, which means staying on your case. (laughs) So You're paying us to pester you, uh, but it means it gets done instead of a quarter done and then put in a drawer somewhere.
0: Yeah, a lot of people need that. I mean, how many of us have started journals on January 1st? And by January 15th, we're stopping. Um, So tell me a little bit about your story. Like, how did you get into this?
2: Yeah. So this started because uh, my co-founder is actually my cousin. So he and I are best friends. We started a different business together before. And about five years ago, we were sitting and chatting and we had heard for the upteenth time from our family, hey, pop we got to write down his stories. Pop's what we call my, my late grandfather. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had the best stories. He'd sing songs and tell all these stories from his childhood. And no one ever did anything about it. So finally, we sat down and I just typed furiously while he spoke, which was not the best way to do this. <laughs> but we ended up with his his kind of biography, and that was our first version of No Story Lost. So the first version was a lot smaller and simpler than what we have now. So you're holding uh, and, up to,
1: for us yeah. to look at a hardcover book. Looks like about yeah. the size of a, of a trade paperback, maybe a little bigger, but it's a hardcover book. And it's got a full bleed picture of him on the front cover.
0: Yeah, he kind of looks right. like Ernest Hemingway. But I also see the resemblance of you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a good mix of both there. Um,
2: so yeah, this was version... It was just us trying to get down his stories. Mm -hmm. And through that, we realized two big important things. One, it was incredible to have the book and the voice recordings of him because we did end up recording some of his voice as well. But secondly, that it was a ton of work, like you mentioned at the start. So we kind of put those together and said, how could we share the knowledge we've gained by doing this and provide a service for others um, and help them get this magic a little bit easier. So that's mm-hmm. how it started. And yeah, the books have come a long way since then. Uh, we actually oh, yeah, have bigger, like, talented uh, designers yeah, finishing colors. them now. Yeah, that's the size looks,
0: of like a yearbook. What what I yeah, used to call exactly, the school yeah. yearbook. Yeah. Eight, eight by 10. Yeah. So, Andrew, what if you're short on family pictures or even stories? I mean, how do we go about recording our history with you if we feel like, I, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes people say, I don't even remember anything. I don't know how to say it. Are you able to kind of get that out of people somehow?
2: Yeah. So I actually listened to your episode with Dr. Keating, uh, which uh-huh. was amazing. She yeah. was great. Uh, and she outlined some things that we're starting to learn, but I think she's a real true expert in. and she that really is. is. What questions can we ask that will take a person who's either shy or short on memories or thinks they lived an uneventful life and draws out amazing material?
0: Mm-hmm. so
2: that that might be stories that truly are amazing or it might just be family details that are just heartwarming for you to hear um, as the child or grandchild of the storyteller. So there's a lot of that that we do. It's uh, our uh, our interviewers are becoming quite talented at drawing stories out uh, from people who might otherwise be slow or shy with them. Uh, And then with photos, um, we could do a book with like as few as 25 photos. So most families tend to have that around. Yeah, um, Some families do 300 photos, <laughs> but.
0: Maybe, maybe uh, it's better to only have a few. I, I, we've, we have so many, we're just kind of like, what do we do with all of these? This is crazy. I almost feel like it, yeah, it would be better to have
1: less. Digitizing, uh, you know, right. 40 years and, and more worth of photographs. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a job. That's a big job.
0: It is. You know, given the cost, the average is about $1,500. Do families often go in on this project together, like siblings, mm-hmm. so that it's not that much for one family?
2: Yeah, that's a big that's a big present for sure at $1,500 if they're buying yeah. this gift. So <laughs> I've definitely seen lots of siblings come together to to help with that. I've even seen a group kind of do like fundraising amongst family and friends. And then it was only like $100 each or something, which was ah. a lot uh, more affordable. But if you think about it, like a lot of people do have 15 to 20 people who would love to hear their life story. Even if you know, you're not going to publish the life story, there's probably a good dozen people who would care to read it. So uh, looking at that route, the fundraising's been pretty successful amongst families. And yeah, we've also seen people, you know, they do spring individually for that bigger gift if it's a big uh anniversary or a milestone birthday and they do that really special present. Mm-hmm. And we've seen people just buy it for themselves as well. So we've kind of seen the full full Yeah. There yeah. Too. I mean,
0: that is um, a more um average cost as opposed to some we we actually had somebody on way back and we will We will have that link on our show notes, but I think hers were closer to eight to Um, $10,000. They do it for businesses and for other things, too. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. But um, this seems a little more affordable, especially if you go in on it. Um, Could you give us some examples of feedback you've heard from people who have used your services? No story lost? Yeah,
2: I have a couple fun stories. Uh, One of them kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, which was you know, I don't have too many stories. Somebody said, and even within their first interview, I heard the story of how she was growing up in England. And when she was seven, she had to move to the neighbor's house for a little while because a bomb had come through their ceiling, through the second floor into their living room, not exploded, but there was an unexploded bomb in their living room. And so she had to go live at the neighbor's oh, wow. for a while. <laughs> this was someone who said she didn't have any good stories. No, so. no stories. <laughs> yeah. That's it's great. Usually that's usually not actually true. Yeah. Um, Um, We've had parents who had been separated and like reconnected for the first time. Um, We've had interviewers become friends with the clients and actually meet up in person. So that's been kind of fun seeing, you know, if you talk to somebody for five or six or eight hours, uh, you can develop a real bond there.
0: Yeah. Um, now you just need like an interviewee and an interviewer to get married and <laughs> <to> be like, <laughs> yeah. okay, that's the ultimate, that's like a Hallmark story. movie.
2: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. We'll let you know when this script is ready for that yeah. one. Yeah, no,
1: No extra charge for that service, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. No, that's completely organic. That's right. <laughs>
0: interested do you think the next generation is going to be in these stories? That's one of the questions I really want to know about because you know, a lot of grandparents complain that their kids and grandkids don't want anything of theirs. They're like, we don't want your furniture, we don't want your, you know, old clothes, we don't want your (laughs) cameras, we don't want this and that. Do you think they're going to want these stories?
2: I think there's kind of two ways to think about this. So within a given family, I think the, the boring stuff I'm saying this in quotations the simple things are actually really special to read even if they aren't again a story that would get published somewhere it's not newsworthy but to go back to your previous interview like hearing what my grandparents saw out their bedroom window as a kid Mm -hmm. that's pretty that's pretty cool like that's a cool detail that you might still want to hear even if it's quote-unquote not really a story so I think that Mm -hmm. stuff will always be valuable and then kind of at a higher level there's kind of a paradox with like the history from 70, 80 years ago is a lot less relevant today in a changed world. But that actually makes it more interesting. Like my my grandma's story of the iceman would come to the house and deliver the big block of ice and then her mm-hmm. mom would carry the 50 pound block of ice to their icebox because they didn't have a refrigerator. Like that stuff gets more and more interesting the more irrelevant, it becomes. Yeah. Uh, and that's only two generations from where we're living today. So that's that's pretty cool.
0: You know, I, I was just talking to somebody today who was telling me they wish their great grandparents had written stuff about the Spanish flu because there's this parallel now with COVID. So they, they kind of wanted to remember what they were feeling at the time. But of course, there's nothing that they wrote down.
2: Yeah, that would be great to have had the guide to a pandemic in 2020 to <laughs> see you how, you, how you cope with that. That brings me to another point, actually, is that, you know, the world changes a lot and our inventions and technology and countries and things change, but human nature seems to change so little. So that's why mm-hmm. reading Stoic philosophy, which is 2000 years old, is every bit as relevant today. And it could, you could read the lessons and feel like they were written today. Uh, yeah. And so so similarly, like how you would react to a pandemic, of course, technologically would have changed completely, but the feelings of isolation and how to connect with people and all and the fear would be very similar to 100 years ago. So I think that's another big lesson is even if things might have changed and, and felt irrelevant over the last 100 years, the way people are, the way human nature is probably hasn't changed much at all. So, so stories will always be relevant that way.
0: What does somebody do if they have a family story that is a little controversial? Say there was a, um, an Sorry. affair or a child, you know, out of child out of wedlock or something like that. Do you do you find people are um, reticent to put that into their family story? Are they more likely to do that now than they used to? What, what do you find there? Yeah,
2: one interesting lesson there is that You know, by the third or fourth interview, I kind of mentioned how the interviewer can get quite comfortable with the storyteller and vice versa. And that results sometimes in people speaking really openly and Mm -hmm. at times to a point where they actually ask us to redact things or delete things out of the audio. So we kind of go down the chain there in terms of at very first, honoring the speaker, the person who said the words, if they want to pull things out, we've pulled those out of audio for them and pulled those out of the printed copy before printing. Mm-hmm. People do have a challenge here. Another client recently was speaking to me before he started saying, I'm not sure whether to tell this the version that I want my grandkids to read when they're 20 or the one I want them to read now when they're 10. So am I producing a book to tell them the simple things about my life as a kid, or am I trying to impart as much wisdom as I can? And so he had to try to find the balance between what version am I really producing here, which I found really interesting as well. So I'd say this is, this is uncommon. Uh, It's probably like a 20% of the time thing that people are worried about, you know, do they talk about uh, a challenge or a black sheep or something like that? Um, Mm -hmm. But it does, it does come up. And so I think you put some thought there into exactly that. What version of my story or what detail or depth of my story do I want to produce uh, and have on a coffee table for the family to read? Uh, And I think uh, the individual chooses that for themselves.
0: Yeah. So even though the the title of your business is No Story Lost, there may be a few stories that they would like to have lost. Intentionally lost, maybe. Intentionally lost or by choice, they are lost. I have
1: a story about my paternal grandfather who uh, who, uh, drank too much. And so there was the uh, there were the uh, maybe predictable consequences of that on his extended family. But then there was a line in his discharge report from the uh, Union Army from 1865, where it says Morgan likes his whiskey. (laughs) And that was all that was said.
0: That's all we got. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Right. (laughs) I mean, we already had the other part. Now we yeah. got the sanitized version <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the official yeah. record. So I think there's something to that. Yeah, totally. it's,
0: it's okay. And some families are a little more comfortable with the messy part of their lives and some are not. So um, yeah, it is their choice. Sure. And and that's. Uh, it sounds like you might even have to play a little bit of counselor role at the same time you're interviewing, like trying to counsel yeah. these people on whether, well, maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. It's up to you. Yeah,
2: I'm so proud and impressed by my interviewers because we hired them to be story interviewers and writers and their role quickly evolves into a bit of a therapist, a bit of a counselor, a bit of a <laughs> <Yeah>. person <laughs> sure. to cry on their shoulder. And one thing we didn't see coming was just how our interviewers actually need time off uh, from time to time, or within a project, just because they can be really heavy stories sometimes. So, yeah. there's an entire lifetime, there's so much emotion there, and more than just fun, happy stories all the time. And that's a challenge for us as well.
0: The big takeaway, what I'm looking for, is a takeaway about what the value of having all these stories recorded is. And we've kind of talked about that. Do you have any other things to add about that?
2: Yeah, I think of it in a few ways. I think there's value in the process for the storyteller in thinking back on their life and sharing advice. So I think that evokes a lot of great feelings and can even help with people who are experiencing memory challenges. Um, and there's also a value in the process with the family. So getting edits from different family members, maybe having someone join the, the call so that you have someone to help you through your interviews. We find that there's some kind of accidental family bonding that happens too. And then the importance of generational learning uh, and preservation that way. So kind of the whole thought of Uh, A society that doesn't learn from the past is doomed to repeat it. Uh, So you think about that on a micro level, like a family or a macro level, like a country. I think it's important to learn lessons from our past. And this is a small way of helping do that.
1: Given that we've been talking about how this is done professionally, do you have maybe a single high gain bit of advice for the do-it-yourselfer on these? Good question
2: yeah i i'm gonna just compliment dr keating again and similar resources (laughs) to that which are like there are surface level questions that you can ask that will get you a surface level result and then there are questions that might not seem deep or super profound on the surface but they're just intricate special ways that you can go a level deeper and open up a ton of color into the stories so i would say Uh, getting a list of sample questions and just highlighting the ones that are interesting to you uh, and and that you would really like to learn about in advance could go a really long way in terms of guiding the conversation so that it does go beyond the things that you maybe heard at Thanksgiving or Christmas or whenever you've seen that that loved one Um, having a bit of a different different or special angle to the questions I think can open up some amazing results Um, so I would say reach out to us if you want our sample list of questions or purchase a resource of uh, questions that you could ask your loved one. And I think you'll find some amazing answers if you ask uh, just a a bit more interesting questions.
0: Yeah. And you'll find out how much work it is to record those and do all that. (laughs) And you might just turn to something like No Story (laughs) Lost. Might
1: ask the professionals.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, thank you for your time. It was great to have you on, Andrew. And uh, say hello to Jeremy for us, who is also part of the project. And, uh, Good luck in your growth as you continue to do good work.
2: Perfect. Thank you so much. Uh, pleasure Pleasure to be here. And thanks for the time.
0: I enjoyed talking with Andrew about this. You know, it isn't the first time we've talked about it. And there are links in the show notes, not only for finding Andrew's company, No Story Lost, but also for a few other episodes where we talked about recording our histories. I think what I took away from it is that we shouldn't let the opportunity to share our history with our progeny, our children and their children. It's important to keep those stories alive.
1: Yeah, it's not just about the family history either. It's to get a clearer sense of where it is that you actually come from and how your family has operated over time.
0: Right. And I think Andrew is right. I think it's not only healing, but it's also about learning lessons and carrying those forward. We hope this encourages you to uh, find a way to preserve your history in whatever way you can do it.
1: And just a reminder, we love hearing from you. So if you have something to share about your own family stories, please write to us. Our email address is grandlifeconnection at gmail.com. Or you can leave voicemail at 317-572-7876. Another option is to join us on the Grand Life Facebook page and post a comment there. We thank you for listening, and we really do appreciate it if you would take the time to rate or review our podcast.
0: In the meantime, I'm Emily Morgan.
1: And I'm Mike Morgan.
0: And thanks for joining us in Living the Grand Life.
1: Next time on The Grand Life.
0: One of the things that
2: we were aware of early on was despite all of the personal experiences that we were encountering through divorce, was to put the children at the forefront oftentimes required us to create containers for our own feelings in separate spaces so that we could allow enough space for the grandkids to feel safe and secure in their environments And that meant being able to freely express themselves, their feelings and their encounters in their entire world, including their world that includes
1: their other parent. That's next time on The Grand Life.